You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Journey Bible Church. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Mark Dodd. I serve as the care pastor here at Journey. And if I have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, would love to meet you after the service. I'll be right down here. So uh, feel free to come down, introduce yourself to me after the service. We are in our last week of our series on the parables of Jesus called Secrets of the Kingdom. And just as a quick recap, the first week we looked at the parable of the sower and we discovered the secret that God's kingdom is surprising. It's surprising because the sower scatters seed regardless of the condition of the soil. Week two, we looked at the parable of the rich fool and discovered that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom, meaning that the kingdom of God operates much differently than the world. Last week, Pastor Colton was here and helped us unpack the parable of the wedding feast, which is about deciding what kind of guest you will be in God's kingdom. So this week, we're going to look at the parable of the great banquet, which is about deciding whether or not you're going to receive the invitation into God's kingdom. So with that, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We're gonna be in verses 12 through 24, Luke chapter 14, 12 through 24. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen with me. Parable of the Great Banquet, starting in verse 12. He also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore... I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servants, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. 
Have you ever been invited to a dinner where you felt out of place? As I pondered that question this week, a scenario immediately came to mind for me. When my wife Holly and I lived in St. Louis in the early years of our marriage, we were invited to a dinner party with Holly's coworkers at her boss's house. Now at the time, my wife and I were living south of the city in an old apartment. We were paying $6.95 a month for rent, okay? Those were the good old days, right? The dinner party, though, was in an extremely wealthy neighborhood. Even driving through the neighborhood, our 1999 burnt orange Toyota Corolla was a dead giveaway that we were out of place. So once we arrived at the house, we walked in and were immediately greeted by her boss. He had long white hair. He wore designer jeans, like his jeans were probably worth more than my car at the time. He walked us into the living room where our eyes were immediately drawn to the most ornate and luxurious bed I've ever seen. Like it it was a bed that Cleopatra herself could have slept on, except this bed was for his cat. Yeah. Uh huh. And this cat had a look on its face like he was not happy that we were there, like we were in his territory, right? The other thing that I couldn't help but notice was the largest stuffed gorilla I've ever seen sharing a bed with the cat. It was an odd first impression, one that left me feeling like I could not have been more out of place. Like I was kind of giving Holly that look like, Are we going to get murdered in this house? Right? Am I going to get fed to that gorilla? Like, what's going on here? Then her boss approached us and said, I want to give you you guys a tour of the place, right? And so the first stop was his bedroom. (laughs) That's when I was like, we're for sure getting murdered in this house, right? (laughs) To this day, I have not seen, nor do I believe I will ever see, a bedroom as bizarre as this one. The best way that I can describe it to you is that all of the sudden, we were standing in the middle of a jungle. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know the book, The Chronicles of Narnia? They like walk through a wardrobe and they're like, wow, we're in a place called Narnia. Like, that's what it was like, except we were in a jungle. Uh, The room was extremely humid. Like there were plants everywhere. There were fish tanks everywhere. And then all of a sudden in the middle of this like jungle nightmare was this guy's bed, like, It was just an odd thing. It was like there could have been a Burmese python living under that thing for all I care. I mean, we were half expecting a little boy named Mowgli to jump out and be like, hey, are you guys my parents? You know, like that's that's the kind of room this was. So once the house tour was over, we made our way back to the living room area. Now, my wife, Holly, is severely allergic to cats. And it wasn't long before she started having an anaphylactic reaction to this cat. Her throat started getting itchy. Her airways were swelling up. That was our signal that it was time to go. It was simply a dinner party where we did not belong. We were invited to the party, but we didn't belong. Maybe you can relate to that in a way or have a similar story. That feeling out of place, like you don't belong, like you're an outsider. And I don't know too many people who like to feel out of place. It's an experience I think that 
all of us are trying to avoid. I think a universal desire that every person has is a desire to belong somewhere. But how many times have we looked for belonging and it failed to satisfy us? It could be a failed relationship. It could be that there's a lot of tension in your family and you feel like you don't belong there. It could be that in our ever increasing digital world, you're looking for belonging online. Could be a, a Facebook group that you're a part of. Could be a blog that you follow. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but I do wonder if it's giving you that sense of belonging that you so desperately desire. The American Immigration Council published a study this year called the Belonging Barometer, the state of belonging in America. It's a fascinating study. In the study, they define belonging as an innate motivational drive to form and maintain positive emotional bonds with others. What they found in the study is that non-belonging is pervasive in America. Just listen to some of these percentages. 64% of Americans feel as though they don't belong in their workplace. 74% say that they don't belong in their local community. 44% report not belonging among their friend group. And 40% of Americans experience non-belonging in their own families. People are desperately looking for a place to belong. So as we unpack this parable this morning, what I think we're going to see is that in God's kingdom, he's preparing a place at his table for you and for me, a place where we can belong forever. Here's the beauty of this parable. Everyone, everyone is invited to God's table. Here's the sobering part of this parable. Not everyone is going to accept the invitation. Everyone is invited, but not everybody is going to show up. So as we unpack these verses, we're gonna be asking two questions. Who is invited into God's kingdom? That's the first question. Then the second question is, who belongs in God's kingdom? Who's invited? Who belongs? Before we do that, would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. And God, thank you for this parable. And Lord, I pray that as, as we look at this text, that you would not just give us eyes to see and ears to hear, God, but would you give us hearts that long for your kingdom above any, anything else in this world? God, would you remind us again this morning that we belong in your kingdom? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that first question, who's invited into God's kingdom? So as Jesus tells the parable that we're about to unpack, it's important to know where he is when he tells this parable. So to, to get a little bit of context, we have to rewind a little bit to verse one of chapter 14. This is gonna really set the stage for this parable, okay? So uh, verse one, chapter 14 if you wanna follow along on the screen with me, says this. One Sabbath, 
when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So Jesus is having a meal in the home of a Pharisee. This is the third time in the Gospel of Luke that we're told that Jesus is dining in a Pharisee's house. And at this particular dinner, it also happened to occur on the Sabbath. Now the Pharisees and experts in the law are are watching Jesus carefully at this dinner, maybe to try to catch him doing something scandalous. We're also told that there was a man that showed up at this dinner who had dropsy, what we would refer to nowadays as swelling or excess buildup of fluid in the body. Now the Pharisees held to a strict observance of the Sabbath. To heal someone on the Sabbath was unlawful in their eyes unless it was like an extreme life or death scenario. So a man with swelling who's not at immediate risk of dying would not have qualified as someone worthy of being healed on the Sabbath in their eyes. But Jesus turns the tables on their thinking here. He asks the Pharisees and lawyers at the table, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? None of them respond. And so Jesus proceeds to heal the man. And then he challenges their thinking by saying to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? None of them could give Jesus an answer to that question. You wanna know why? Because all of them know that they would pull out their son or their ox that had fallen into a well on a Sabbath day. He's calling out their blatant hypocrisy. This is the backdrop for the parables that Jesus tells at this dinner. The first parable being the parable of the wedding feast, the one that we looked at last week. This week, we're we're jumping ahead to the parable of the great banquet in verses 12 through 24. So in verses 12 through 14 of our passage this morning, Jesus is challenging the host of the dinner by reminding him of the people who were not invited to his dinner. In verse 12, he says, he said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Jesus is essentially telling this man, look, look at the people at this table. You wanna know what all of them have in common? They're just like you. They're just like you. See, the Pharisees' dinner guests were those who could return the favor. They could invite him to their house for dinner at a later time. One commentator puts it like this, receiving invitations from the elite confirms and maintains one's status as a member of the elite, 
when the elite accept an invitation to dine, it confirms and maintains their status as a member of the elite. If one could not repay the honor in some way, one was unlikely to be invited. But Jesus is calling out this nonsense. He's calling out the social norm that only benefited the elite. He's saying, when you have a feast, invite the people who can't repay you. Invite the people who are not members of your elite club. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Invite the drug addicts, the outcasts, the homeless. Invite the elderly, the widow, the orphan. Invite those who cannot pay you back because the feast in God's kingdom is not reserved for the elite. It's reserved for those who are utterly broken and yet long to sit at God's table. Friends, this is the beauty of the gospel. Everyone is invited to feast at God's table. And Jesus has prepared a place at the table for you and for me. He's secured your spots by giving up his life for you. And here's the thing about it. There is nothing that you and I could ever do to repay Jesus for that act of generosity. But there is a decision that has to be made. Will you receive Jesus' invitation to feast at God's table? You see, that's where this Pharisee has got it backwards. He's only thinking about himself when inviting people to dine at his table. He's thinking, how is this going to affect my social status? Jesus, on the other hand, is selfless. He's thinking about the lost that he came to save. Jesus models for us the generosity of God's kingdom. It's available to anyone who would receive the invitation. One of my favorite movies is a a movie called Finding Neverland. And in this movie, we follow the story of the playwright J.M. Barrie who is most known for writing the play, Peter Pan. And the movie is about how he came to write that play. And in one particular scene in this movie, it's opening night at the local theater in London. It's the premiere of his great play, Peter Pan. Now this was the early 1900s in London. Going to the theater, was something that the elite would do. It was for the rich, the privileged. But in this particular scene, J.M. Barry, the author, reserves 25 seats on opening night for a special group of people. I love that scene because I think it portrays the heart of God. What J.M. Barry does in that scene completely flipped the script on the social norms of his day. You see, the elite go to, go to the theater because it's what the elite do. But J.M. Barry didn't write Peter Pan for the elite. He wrote it for children. And if you watch the rest of that movie, once the play begins, it's the children sitting in that theater who are able to enjoy the play the most. You want to know who's invited to God's table? Everyone. 
Everybody is invited. The kingdom of God is not a social club for the elite. It is a feast for the hungry. Jesus states it clearly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, the Pharisee has missed the heart of what God's kingdom is all about. By thinking of himself first, he's cut himself off from the blessing that God will give to all of those who model kingdom generosity. Namely, that they will be rewarded at the resurrection of the just. So everyone is invited to God's table. But as we're about to see in verses 15 through 24, not everyone's going to accept the invitation. Which leads me to our second question of the morning. Who belongs in God's kingdom? So at this point in the dinner, one of the guests at the table speaks up and he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's almost like he, he's saying, hey, uh, cheers to everyone who's gonna eat in the kingdom of God. And we might expect Jesus to say, that's right. But no, Jesus has more to say here. So he tells another parable about another banquet, except this time the host is generous with his invitations. We're told that he invited many. So the host sends out his servants to go remind his invited guests that the feast is ready. Everything is prepared. So the servant goes to the first invited guest and reminds him the table is ready, everything is prepared. But the man had bought a field and he said, I need to go examine the field, you know, just to make sure that it's still a field. You know, please have me excused. Now Jesus goes, or the servant goes to the second man. And, and the second man says, oh, you know, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I, I got to go examine them, you know, to make sure that they're still oxen, right? And he goes to the third man. The third man says, I'm, I'm married, you know. I, I, can't, I can't come. Wife's making meatloaf tonight, you know can't come. So the servant goes back to his master and says, your invited guests uh, can't come. And the master's really upset about it. Like, is there anything worse than throwing a big party and nobody shows up? So the master instructs his servant, well, go, go into the streets and, and invite the poor, the, the crippled, the lame, the blinds. And so the servant did just that. But there was still room at the table. And so the servant is instructed by his master, go into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come for my house must be filled. And then the master says this, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. To unpack what Jesus is saying in this parable, there's different levels of meaning going on here. On one level, it's a fairly straightforward story about a master wanting to fill his house with guests to enjoy his banquet. On another level, it's about many of the Jewish people missing the Messiah and the kingdom of God. Keep in mind who Jesus is talking to here. Pharisees and experts in the Jewish law. 
This is the irony of the parable. While Jesus is dining at the Pharisee's house, surrounded by other Pharisees and experts in the law, they are missing the invitation to be a guest in God's kingdom because they fail to acknowledge Jesus as the true king. You see, Jesus is not eager to dine at the Pharisee's table. He's eager for them to dine at his father's table. But the Pharisees could not see the reality of what was right in front of them. Have you ever failed to see something that was hiding in plain sight? So I've got a little exercise for us this morning. I'm going to show a few images on the screen. And in each image, there's something hiding in plain sight. But you've got to look, got to look carefully, all right? So let's look at this first image. Anybody spot what's hiding in that picture? A bird, yeah. Nice, you guys are good at this game. There it is. All right, let's, let's look at another one. Let's see what we got. Can you spot this one? It's a pretty good camouflage. Did you guys see the caterpillar? Yeah? You see it? There it is, right there. All right, now it's gonna get a little bit harder. This one's a little tough, all right? I'll give you a hint. There, there is a lizard hiding in this picture. You guys see it? Anybody see it? No? I stump you guys? All right, let's show, show us where it's at. Show us where it's at. You guys see it? Yeah, hiding in plain sight. All right, one more, one more, just for fun, just for kicks. All right, there is a phone in this picture. It's in a case, it's in a, it's in a phone case, but can anybody spot it? I'm not gonna lie to you, it took me like 30 minutes to find it, so don't feel bad, don't feel bad, but let's see where it's at. Even if I show you where it's at, it might be hard to spot it. Do you see it? Some of you still can't see it. It's hiding in plain sight. All right, we gotta keep going. Look it up later on Google it, okay? It's hard to spot, right? But once you see the images, it's like, oh, oh my goodness, there it is. It's that aha moment. Now it's one thing to look for an object or an animal camouflaged in an image. It's quite another thing when the king of kings reveals himself by taking on flesh. And that's precisely what Jesus did. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the true Messiah that the Old Testament anticipates, but not everyone was able to see Jesus for who he truly was. That's the sad part of this parable. The Pharisees cannot see Jesus as the Messiah. They cannot see what has been plainly revealed. They cannot see what is right in front of them. And so they fail to receive Jesus' invitation to be a guest at God's table. In the parable, the Pharisees and the experts in the law are like those, those people who make excuses for not being able to come. They sense no urgency to accept the invitation because they have blinders on. They think that it would be a better use of their time to go examine a field than to dine in God's kingdom. Do you see how sad that is? Their eternity is at stake, but they can't see it. They would rather enjoy the status of being a member of the elite than being a guest at God's table. So in the parable, the servant reports to his master that his invited guests have decided not to come. 
But this master is not taking no for an answer. He has prepared a feast and his house must be filled. So the servant goes into the streets, inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and there's still room. So the servant goes into the highways and hedges to compel people to come to the feast, to strongly urge people outside of the city to come dine at the master's table. At this point in the parable, the meaning is clear. This is a feast, not just for the Jewish people. This is a feast for anyone who would receive the invitation to be a guest at God's table. This is a feast for the nations. You wanna know who belongs in God's table, in God's kingdom? Everyone who says yes to the invitation. And just imagine how diverse this table is that Jesus is describing here. We're talking about people with illnesses and diseases, people with addictions and immoral pasts, people who have been outcasts, ignored, mistreated, looked down upon, told you'll never be good enough. People with criminal records, mental disorders, people who struggle with suicidal thoughts, people who have been abused, people who on paper, you probably wouldn't want to invite to your house for dinner. People who on paper don't belong at fancy dinner parties, but they belong at God's table because Jesus showed up in their life and said, I've got a seat at the table for you. And they said, I wanna be at that table. And church, there's still room for more. Even people who may have been rejecting the invitation their whole life, God has not given up on them. Even though the vast majority of Jewish people have rejected Jesus as their Messiah, God has not given up on them. There is room at the Father's table for them. And next week, Pastor Mike is gonna be sharing with us about God's relationship with Israel. So look forward to that. But, but know this, even though someone may be rejecting the invitation today, doesn't mean that they will reject it tomorrow. God can change anyone's heart. But you wanna know who's not gonna be at the banquet? People who are too busy and too preoccupied with themselves. People who at the end of the day believe that they are getting by just fine on their own. People who at the end of the day reject the invitation because of pride. Church, I know that we get busy. We live in Johnson County. I know that there are important matters that need our attention. But do not forget that there is something of far greater significance, something that is worth dropping everything for. Jesus is inviting you and me to feast at that great banquet in God's kingdom. And he has a seat at the table for you. And God's kingdom requires a decision. And thanks be to God that everyone who says yes to that invitation belongs in God's kingdom. 
you are invited. And if you say yes, you belong. In conclusion, here is the last thing that I'll say. There is still room left at the Father's table. And like the servant in the story who was told by his master to go out into the city and beyond to invite people to the feast, we have the charge now to go into the world and invite people to be guests at the Father's table. That's why we go to Panama, India, Ethiopia, the Middle East, Nepal, Liberia, because there's room at the Father's table. And we want everyone to know they're invited. People are desperately looking for a place to belong. Church, what a privilege it is that you and I get to invite people to come to God's table, the place where we belong forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we're not just invited to your table, but we thank you that we belong. Thank you, God, that you saw us in our desperate state apart from you and that you sent your son to to rescue us, to redeem us, to secure a place at your table. And so, Father, I pray that you would, God, help us Help us, God, to receive that invitation with gratitude. Father, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't yet received that invitation, Lord, Lord, would you help them to reach out by faith and say yes? And Lord, even now as we, as we transition to, to taking the Lord's Supper, God, would you remind us that the only reason why we're able to partake of, of this meal together is because our Savior did what none of us could ever do on our own. And so, God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Thank you for your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.